This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
Thank you, Heather. That was so powerful. Let's just still our hearts as we prepare for studying the Word. Lord, we thank you that you have come, and we ask that as we open our hearts, our minds to your Word, that you would do something uh, that would change us. Um, Lord, we're not here to just kill time or entertain or anything like that. We're here to be changed, and I pray that you would help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is the fourth message in, in this series that we're actually calling an unseries, because what began as a standalone message has evolved into four different messages where we have gone to battle against some of the common myths that our American version of Christianity has latched onto. And uh, this actually uh, is kind of a perfect segue intro into our Christmas season because we're going to just be talking about the validity of Jesus Christ. And we'll probably wrap up this unseries today and then uh, focus each week more and more closely on, on, on Christ. Here's the myth that we want to discuss today. The myth that all roads lead to heaven. Now, I know in this conservative part of, of the country, we would recoil at that statement because we would say, well, uh, uh, of course not. Not all roads lead to heaven. You know, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, uh, you know, if, if, if you adhere to Islam, there's no way that those religions are going to lead you to heaven. But we have our own version of all roads lead to heaven. Our, our version here in, in Cedar County and Vernon County and, and Joe Wallace for St. Clair County too, our, <laughs> our version is this. As long as you, as you live in this part of the country, as long as you identify as a Christian, as long as you go to church, at least on Christmas and, and Easter, as long as you pray a little bit, as long as you have a little bit of good about you, then you will go to heaven. That's our version of all roads lead to heaven. And, and, and we would never make this next statement, but, but we've pretty much come to believe that it's nearly impossible to go to hell from Cedar County. That's right, we would never articulate that, but we believe that because when someone dies, regardless of how they live, regardless of the fact that they might have been the number one rascal in our town, we always say, well, their suffering is over, they're in a better place. What are we saying? All roads lead to heaven. That's Cedar County's version of all roads lead to heaven. But not all roads lead to heaven. Not all people go to heaven. The Bible says the broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, even here in Cedar County. Now, as we get into our study, I think it's important, it is important to note that, that belief in God is fairly universal around the world. Yes, you have a few atheists that, that say there is no God, and, and then you have some religions that that put God as kind of this nebulous thing or whatever you want him to be thing. And, but most people believe in some type of God. It's not controversial to believe in God. In fact, 
watch any sporting event, even this afternoon and at the end of the game, the, the winners many times will give credit to God or, or watch the Grammys and, and someone invariably is going to say, well, I give God the honor and glory. Or, or go to an AA meeting and, and they will reference God as a higher power. Or, or even watch Al Jazeera, the, uh, one of the leading uh, Arab networks, and, and, and you will hear them say Allah Akbar. In other words, God is great. Those things do not bring about controversy. So, so where does the controversy begin? Well, well, the controversy begins when you bring up the name of Jesus. You can talk about God. You can talk about a higher power. You can pray to God. You can pray, you know, in, in every religion. Every religion prays. But the moment you bring up the name of Jesus, the, the, the moment you pray in the name of Jesus, that's when people begin to get nervous. Now, again, in our conservative part of the country, <clears throat> that's not such a problem yet. But around the world, the name of Jesus makes people nervous. And so why is it that the world gets so upset at the mention of Jesus? Well, it's because of the exclusive claim of Jesus. Because in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, no one can come to the Father except through me. And, and the same basic thing is emphasized in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I reference this scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small. The road is narrow. And only a few ever find it. So the exclusivity is what causes people to get nervous. The Bible tells us that Jesus is not a way. It doesn't even tell us that Jesus is the best way. But the Bible says Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, we're going to approach this study in, in, in a bit of an unorthodox way. Uh, first of all, I want to begin by giving you a, a brief overview of, of a few of the world's major religions. Now, to, to me, a study of world religions can get really boring. Uh, if, if you want to take a nap, just attend a class on world religions. It is a snoozer. <laughs> but we need a working knowledge of, uh, of what other religions believe. And, and I'm going to try to keep this uh, brief enough to where you will not check out on me. First of all, let's look at the world religion of Buddhism. They say that around the world there are approximately 376 million Buddhists. The founder of Buddhism was originally a Hindu. He became disenchanted with Hinduism one day, and so he secluded himself under a fig tree for 40 days and 40 nights, and he meditated on the nature of life. And while he meditated, he claimed that he became enlightened. And, and that's where the name Buddha comes in, because Buddha means the enlightened one. Now, Buddhism doesn't have a, a final type of existence like heaven. You know, Buddhism believes that in countless rebirths or reincarnation, we're reborn and then die and then attach ourselves to another being and are reborn and then die. And, and the goal is to end that cycle of rebirth by being reincarnated into a high form of life, whatever that is. Well, Buddha died at the age of 80 in the year 483 B.C., his death was triggered by an adverse reaction. Listen, you morel mushroom hunters. Triggered by an adverse reaction to a dish of wild mushrooms. 
but they say he died peacefully. There have been no reports of Buddha being seen since then, so we assume that Buddha is still dead. Hinduism. Hinduism has 900 million followers. They believe that there are 40 million gods. Hinduism doesn't have a founder, and that's a little bit different about them. The, the religion evolved in India over about an 800-year period of time. And the ultimate aim of, of every Hindu is to be reabsorbed into the great cosmic unconsciousness where you lose all awareness and simply exist as a portion of the universe. And, and this happens through reincarnation. If you do well, you can finally experience nirvana. Even though estimates, estimates are that it takes about 600,000 lifetimes to achieve this state with acceleration possible if you live each life well and demotion probable because none of us gets it right every time. That's why cows and rats are considered sacred by Hindus because they believe that these creatures are actually the spirits of their ancestors who were demoted. Harming them or eating them could cause you bad karma which would cause you to be reincarnated as a lower form in your next life. Now various branches of the New Age movement all have their origins in this concept of reincarnation. But because Westerners, you know, we tend to think in upwardly mobile terms, the New Age movement has incorporated a philosophy known as cosmic optimism. Uh, optimism. And it's the idea that we always move upward into a higher form of life, never backward. And I think that's one reason that here in our part of the country, we, we feel like that everybody goes to heaven because it's all upward and it's a cosmic optimism. Let's talk about Islam. Estimates are that Islam has around 2 billion followers. Islam's founder was a man named Muhammad who in 610 AD rebelled against polytheistic. In other words, it's a teaching just uh, that there are multiple gods. And, and, and he supposedly received a revelation that there was only one God. Muhammad believed that the one God was the moon God. A God named Allah. Muhammad taught his tribesmen that they must be ruthlessly submissive to Allah. Muslim, or actually more correctly, Muslim means submitted one. Islam means submission. Muhammad taught his followers that the true and only means to God was through following the five pillars of Islam. At the end of your life, they believe God will evaluate your life to see if there was more good than bad in your life. Paradise for a Muslim male is a bit different than the Christian heaven because Muhammad grew up in a desert climate. For him, the perfect place was full of lush gardens with lots of good food. And this is interesting, beautiful and tantalizing women. Here's a description of paradise from the Quran, the book Surah and the 55th division. It says, there are bashful virgins whom no man will have touched before, virgins as fair as coral and rubies. So you get the picture. It's paradise with 72 virgins each for men. For women, they're not mentioned except for the beautiful, bashful, tantalizing ones. Muhammad died when one of his Jewish slave women prepared a dinner for him and put poison in the lamb. He became sickly and finally died three years later. And there have been no reports of seeing Muhammad recently, so we assume he is still dead. Christianity. 
Worldwide, there are around 2.2 billion followers. The founder was Jesus Christ. This founder made a claim that no other major religious figure has ever made before or since. He, he claimed to be God in the flesh. And he did some amazing things to substantiate that claim. He came to earth as a baby that had real flesh. He lived a real life and, and died a real death at the age of 33. His death was confirmed by a host of Jews and Roman soldiers. And, and his body was then buried they put a Roman seal on the tomb, brought in guards to secure the premises so that his body would not be stolen. Well, on the third day, and if I were in one of those churches with my African brothers with that organ going in the background, he'd be going crazy right now. On the third day, the stone miraculously rolled away and this Jesus came back to life. And this sounds like a fairy tale until we find out that over 500 people saw him alive after his resurrection. And so with other re uh, religions, their founder died, was never seen again. But here in Christianity, the founder died, but was seen alive many times by many people. Now, as we look at all of the religions, well, let me make some observations. Number one, all religions have some good values and ethics. If you study it, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, other religions that we haven't mentioned today, they all have some good values, good ethics. Number two, all religions have followers who are good and sincere. Number three, but all religions then have followers who are not good and sincere. There are bad eggs in every group, bad apples, even in Christianity. L let me also point out some differences. All religions base whether or not someone makes it to their nirvana or paradise on how good of a person they've been, except for one. Christianity is not based on the work that man does, rather on the work that God did. Amen. Number two, no religion except Christianity has a book that correctly predicted 332 prophecies about its founder before he was ever born. Number three, no religion except Christianity has a founder that gave his life in a literal physical death, but then came back to a literal life and was seen by over 500 people throughout a 40-day period. That leads me to say this, that the founder of Christianity has credentials that no other religious leader has. In fact, he has credentials that only God could have. So do all roads lead to heaven I would have to agree with this verse in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them, except for the name of Jesus. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time together is to very simply consider Jesus. Just consider Jesus. I'm not asking you to consider this church, not at all, because this church, you know, is very imperfect. I'm not asking you to consider a Christian denomination. Denominations are a dime a dozen. Denominations don't impress me. I'm not even asking you to consider Christianity. Because I'm going to argue all day long that Jesus didn't come to start Christianity. 
Jesus came to reveal the love of God to those who needed a Savior and to save us from our sins. Plus, our American version of Christianity is so distorted. So don't consider the religion of Christianity. And then I'm certainly not going to ask you to consider the behavior of those who call themselves Christians. You can meet two different people in one. You say, they're amazing people, so loving and a reflection of Jesus Christ and in another person that goes to the same church. It's like, wow. Their attitude, their actions don't line up. And then I'm not even asking you to consider me as your pastor because the reality is I'm very flawed. And, and if I don't disappoint you today, I probably will tomorrow. And if I get lucky two days in a row without disappointing you, it'll happen the day after. All I'm asking you to do for a few moments this morning is just consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And let's consider three aspects of Jesus. Number one, consider the ministry of Jesus. In Mark chapter 2 verse 16 summarizes the ministry of Jesus and why he came. And it says, but when some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now that's the New Living Translation. Other translations say sinners. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call sinners not those who think they're already good enough. So Jesus came for the scum. I think he was referring to me. Maybe you too, Alex. And for sure you, Joe. It also says that he came for the sick. So Jesus came for the scum and the sick. These were the ones that were rejected back then by the church, by the religious leaders. So those that religion rejected, Jesus accepted and loved. When a woman was caught in adultery and all the religious people said, stone her to death, Jesus looked at them and said, whoever you has never sinned, you throw the first stone. And, and then he looked at this broken woman who had to have been sobbing. He said, Go your way, sin no more, you're forgiven. Jesus also opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He, he caused the mute to speak. Jesus touched lepers. Jesus turned water into wine, which is still a little bit of a problem for those of us that are teetotalers. Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish to feed 5,000 men, which counting women and children probably was closer to 20,000 people. Jesus walked on water. He raised the dead. And, and here's what is crazy. I was just thinking about this this past week. Do you realize that his critics, the, the critics that were always after Jesus, they didn't question the validity of miracles, of his miracles? You know, they, they recognized the miracles as being genuine miracles. No one questioned that, not even the skeptics. And I mean, how could you question turning a few fish, a few loaves into enough food to feed the multitudes? You can't question that kind of stuff. 20,000 witnesses. Uh, how would you question 
speaking to the winds and, and, and the waves. You've got a massive storm going on. Peace be still and they calm. You can't really debate that. The critics didn't question the miracles. They just didn't like the attention he got when he performed those miracles. And then consider the modern day ministry of Jesus. You know, I, I, I love you. you, you are, I, I love this church because you're just a bunch of messed up people like me. You make me feel good about myself sometime. But one of the men in this church used to be a drug dealer. He's here right now. And it's a miracle beyond miracles that God could take someone who was so lost and completely transform him. You know, someone in this church has had multiple affairs on his wife, and not only did his wife forgive him, which is a huge miracle, but Jesus forgave him and transformed him. I know of some people who have been part of this church that were involved in a gay lifestyle, and, and they've come out of the closet, but this time for Jesus. They've left their sin, and God has forgiven them and transformed them. I know of those in this church that have been addicted to substances, alcohol, drugs, and prescription meds, and they've been addicted to pornography and lust, but Jesus has set them free. Consider the ministry of Jesus, the one who didn't come for the righteous, but he came for, do you remember, the scum and the sick. But I also want you to Consider the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's crucial that you understand that Jesus was born of a virgin. You've got to understand the implication here. Because he was born of a virgin, Jesus did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. And that's significant because had Jesus inherited the sin nature... He couldn't have taken on our sin because he would have been full of sin. But since he had no earthly father, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not have the sin nature. Therefore, he could go to the cross and, and don't miss the power of this. He could take on our sin because he was sinless. And there when the creation was mocking the creator, when mankind had beaten him to where he was, the Bible says unrecognizable. When they had hung him on an instrument of torture called the cross, had driven stakes through his wrists and through his feet, Jesus looked up to God and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And, and then he said, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark. And it trembled. And then an amazing, an amazing moment. The centurion who had carried the cross of, of Jesus and was not a believer, he looked on and, and, and said, surely that man was the son of God. But then three days later, the stone was rolled away. The tomb became empty. Jesus rode, rose from the dead and he began to appear to different people. And, and Peter said it this way in Acts 3.15. says, you kill the author of life. But God raised him. Listen to this. And we are witnesses of this fact. You know, we, we read a lot of fairy tales. We read a lot of stories. 
It's supposition. Well, I suppose, I think, perhaps. But it says we are witnesses to the fact that God raised him to life. I wish somebody would get excited this morning. And what's so interesting to me interesting to me is that Thomas happened to miss church the time that Jesus showed up after his resurrection, so he doubted. Isn't that what happens? You know, you miss church. The weekend you go to Branson, we have a good service. And, and you know what we always say? Good service, no preaching. I don't know why we've always equated no preaching with a good service. Why, why, don't, we, why don't we say good service, no singing? Or good service, no offering. But it's always, you know, good service, no preaching. Kind of hurts my feelings. But, but doubting Thomas missed church and Jesus shows up and, and they said, Thomas, he was here. And he said, yeah, right. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. Would you believe that Jesus was so merciful to Thomas? And he showed up to him later on and, and he said, Thomas, come up close to me and take a look. You see that? Those are the nail prints. And, and I wish I could have seen Thomas because I, I believe that his face would have had such an amazing expression as he realized. And, and, and do you know what Thomas said when he touched the wounds of his resurrected body? He said, my Lord and my God. And, and this is so cool. A lot of people don't realize this, but Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, became a great evangelist that went to India. And in India, when, that, when he was asked to renounce his faith in his Savior, he said, I will never, ever renounce my Savior. And do you know what they did? They took a spear and they drove it through his body. Question. Why would Thomas die for his faith when he once doubted? Because he had seen the risen Christ. All I'm asking you to do this morning, just consider Jesus. One more thing. I'm so glad they took that clock down back there. I can't even tell what time it is. God's so good. I want you to consider the good news of Jesus. I love the way that Paul summarizes it in Romans 3.22. It says, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. Man, you must have not caught that because I think I, sh I should have heard more than one amen. It says, no matter who we are or what we have done, we can be saved. <laughs> no matter who we are, if we are poor, as my dad used to say, poor as Job's turkey, whatever that means. You know what? If, if we've done, if we are known as the number one rascal in Eldorado Springs, we can be saved. No matter how dark your life is, no matter if you are as bad as I was or if you're worse than I was. No matter how messed up your life is right now, how entangled it is in sin, anyone, anyone 
anyone, would you say it with me? One, two, three, anyone, say it again, anyone who places their faith and trust and life in Jesus will be made new, and that's the good news. You see, the real problem in this world might surprise you. Ah, It's not the dirty Democrats, it's not the rotten Republicans, it's not the loony libertarians, it's not any of those crazy people. But the real problem in this world is religion. Because religion is about me. Am I good enough? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus. In Christ alone, we have the hope of eternal life. So as we come in for a landing, consider these five events of Jesus. His virgin birth, His death on the cross, His burial in the tomb, His resurrection, and His ascension into heaven. Since the beginning of human history, there's not a single person on the earth besides the Lord Jesus Christ that has ever experienced these events and had them confirmed by witnesses and then recorded in a single document. Study and examine the history of the founders of other major religions. You will find that every one of them lived and died and their bodies rotted and turned to dust. Islam did claim that Muhammad ascended to heaven from the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, but there's not a single eyewitness to that event. But Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. He resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, and all of these were confirmed by numerous witnesses. So let me just ask you a question. Who are you going to put your faith in? You know, you have the freedom to choose. God has created us as free moral agents to where we can make the choice. You know what? If you want to be Buddhist, you can be Buddhist. You can maybe get a permit to build a pagoda here in town. You can try to reach the state of nirvana, become one with the universe. If you like a challenge, that sounds like a really good challenge. If you want to be Hindu, believe in 40 million gods and hope that through 600,000 rebirths and reincarnations, you can finally get into that cosmic unconscious state. I mean, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to keep stepping on brown recluse spiders. I just hope one's not your mama. And I'm going to keep eating my steak. I know it's red meat, but you got to die of something. And as I grill my steak to medium well over the sizzling charcoal, I just hope it's not your grandpa. If you want to be Muslim and follow a leader that's still dead, go for it. And, and, and for you men, I hope you get those 72 virgins in paradise. And if you're a female, good luck. I don't know. Maybe there'll be some good looking men to hang out with there. If you want to believe in animism and make sacrifices to Mother Earth, as I've seen many times in another country, the last little bit of Coca-Cola in your glass, they dump out to the ground as kind of a sacrifice to Mother Earth. If, if, if you want to do that, help yourself. If you want to be an agnostic and 
if you want to be an atheist or, or even a nothing, and, and today that's, that's one of the growing religious groups, they're called nothings. If you want to be a nothing, hey, uh, e eternity is only forever. What's a little risk? But let me be clear, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my decision is not rooted in tradition, even though it is my religious tradition. It's not rooted in the Christian heritage of my parents, even though I'm so thankful that I had a mom and a dad that were godly and they raised me in Christianity, but that's not enough to, to have as a foundation for eternity. It's not rooted in the heritage of our country as a, as a Christian nation, even though I'm grateful for some of our founding fathers. Some of them were rascals, but some of our founding fathers, they had it together, but it's not rooted in what they believe. I've got a lot of Christian heroes, but it's not rooted in them. It's not rooted in the doctrine of our church, and I'm, I'm grateful. I, I, I do believe in the doctrine of our church, but my belief is not rooted in doctrine but it's rooted in Jesus Christ born of a virgin lived a sinless life died resurrected three days later later ascended to heaven where today right now this very instant this ought to cause chills to go up and down your spine he is making intercession for us you know what that means he's praying for us right now isn't that cool Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father praying for us. Jared, he's praying for you. Linda, Robin, praying for you. Wow. So, do all roads lead to heaven? Not from what I can tell. The only road to heaven comes through Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So today, what's your choice? You can choose. And I think I know you well enough to know that you're going to choose Jesus. But maybe uh, you've allowed some things to cloud that relationship. And maybe today you need to just come back to Jesus. You've been maybe kind of uh, thinking that it's all about Christianity, it's all about the church, it's all about doctrine, it's all about that, it's the Ten Commandments, but could I just ask you to come back to Jesus? That, that's all we're trying to do today is just, I want you to con consider Jesus. That's it. And then whenever we consider Jesus, you know what? The doctrine's going to line itself out. The church, it'd be okay. Rules, regulations, commandments, all of that, it'll take its proper place. But Jesus has got to be front and center. So as we wrap up our service today, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please. And I want to pray. And there may be some of you this morning that you need to come back to Jesus. You need to just repent of your sin. What repentance means is confess and turn. And so this morning... Could you just come back to our Savior? 
You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.